Welcome to the Bench Essentials Podcast. I'm your host, David Rocha, and pouring himself a glass of sherry is Romeo Mora. Romeo, pour me a glass too. I don't know where to go with this bit. <laughs> Sherry's for everyone. Sherry's for right. everyone. Sherry's for everyone. Sherry's for cancer when you need it. Everyone knows you can't just pour it out the bottle. You gotta let it breathe. Yeah. Those are the rules. Right. You're right about that. Well, we're gonna be talking about Frasier today. And Frasier is an American television sitcom that aired on NBC from 1993 to 2004. The series was created as a spinoff from the sitcom Cheers, which continues the story of psychiatrist host a radio show. He reconnects with his father, Martin, played by John Mahoney, a retired police officer, and his younger brother, Niles, played by David Hyde Pierce, a fellow psychiatrist. The cast also includes Perry Gilpin as Frasier's producer, Roz Doyle, and Jane Leaves as Daphne Moon, Martin's live-in caregiver. Joining us to talk about Frasier, returning for the third time, and it's been a long time, but we're so happy to have him back, is Tyler Nyquist. Tyler, how's it going? Doing pretty good. Thanks for uh, for having me back and uh, looking forward to talk about this wonderful TV show. It's just like Frasier, the prodigal son returns. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> long, long overdue. And I remember when we did the Cheers episode, we said we wanted to have you back for Frasier. And the plan was to do it last year. But I mean, I had too much going on. I had to prepare for the baby. We already had a mountain of episodes that we were trying to get through. The timing was just not going to work out. So here we are one year later. We're finally doing it. And I'm really happy that we're doing it. So what inspired you to start watching Frasier? Did it have to do with Cheers? It did. Um, so when we must have been la- end of last year, I think is when I finished my watch. So I think we started Frasier probably around October of 2020, I would guess, and finished it by beginning of 2021. And it was kind of spurred off from after like watching, rewatching Cheers. Cheers, you know, I, I watched it as a kid, middle school, every time I'd come home from school. But Frasier at the time when I was in school and stuff, it was a show that was actively running and my parents were we're big into Frasier, one of those shows that would always kind of be on in the background if it was on. But at the same time, it was like being a kid, I don't know, never really appreciated it, I guess, as much. Um, I remember thinking it was funny, but I had never done a complete watch through of it. Like I did Cheers, catching it on WGN, I think was the, the program at the time. So having the opportunity with, you know, streaming services and things like that, it was kind of like a natural progression and like, okay, let's check out, you know, the story of Frasier Crane and, and being able to like, with that excitement of like enjoying Cheers so much, what are going to be the, the Easter eggs, the callbacks, the like one of my favorite sitcoms of all time. Yeah, that's pretty much kind of what motivated me to just start watching it. Romeo, you started or you would watch Cheers. Was it a weekly thing for you in the 90s? I know you said you watched pretty much all of them during that time. I got glimpses because my parents loved Frasier. But yeah, like I watched it periodically. There was a diversions happening because the CW and a certain other show we'll talk about later in the year, the RC happened. So when there wasn't fresh episodes I would find myself drawn to those NBC comedies because again we're in a time where there were no DVRs you had to pick and choose what you had to watch and this was must see TV let's not forget it was one of the comedies that kept winning awards consistently and Frasier was the height of his popularity along with Murphy Brown and it had this distinct style because they don't make sitcoms like they used to whether that's a good thing or a bad thing we'll discuss throughout this episode. I think what drew me to the show was the dynamic between Niles and Frazier with their father Martin, which there is a sort of like not so much a generational gap, like a father trying to understand how their kid is so vastly different from the 
them. And for me, that was a relatable thing because being a um, first generation from two immigrant parents, my dad didn't understand why did I have this feverish love for soccer? Or why aren't I interested in the politics that are going on in Mexico? And I'm like, well, dad, as an American born, <laughs> first of all, politics are not as, not as exciting as American politics because, again, Clinton years we were in. Second of all, I'd be a nerd. Like if you were to like replace Frazier's love for Chekhov, an opera replaced him with Star Trek and Star Wars, that would be me and my dad fighting about why am I not more like him? You connected with Frazier in that way then. Yeah, but I kind of want to grow up to be like Martin. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. When I get to that age, I just wanted to be chilling on a recliner with the dog. (laughs) I mean, I can get someone to shoot you in the hip if that's what you to get the full experience. (laughs) No, thank you. I'm good. I don't got the insurance to recover. I want to be someone what's still mobile thank you <laughs> so i didn't watch it on a weekly basis i caught a lot of the episodes on fox syndication so fox would have like a couple episodes of the simpsons throw in some i think friends was part of that fraser was part of that seinfeld would sometimes be part of that so that's where i watched a majority of my fraser episodes and like i brought up in the cheers recording that we did together i don't remember frederick at all so there are a bunch of fraser episodes featuring frederick that i never Ever saw. So rewatching the entire series to prepare for this podcast was a good experience for me because, yeah, I got to see a lot of things for the first time, a lot of episodes, not just involving Frederick, but the Lilith stuff and getting to see the Cheers characters again. And also just a lot of the other girlfriends that kind of came and went throughout the series for that. The thing I remember the most from watching it when I was a kid was the will they won't they between Niles and Daphne. I remember that the most. And I and obviously during the the 90s that was a really big thing that's why people well, i shouldn't say that's why people were tuning in but that's one of the biggest reasons why people tuned in i learned this i was surprised to learn this after they got together ratings took a little bit of a dip and people weren't all that happy with their relationship when they were together because mm-hmm. it just wasn't as exciting anymore they were more excited by the chase than yeah. seeing them grow as a couple and, that, and that's why rachel and ross had to go on a break it wasn't a break <laughs> it was a break <laughs> it wasn't a break all right a debate for a different show that's for sure yeah yeah okay i got thoughts on that all right i know (laughs) which is the most iconic thing but yeah and you're right like a lot of those 90s sitcoms they had that moonlight kind of started that off for us it did yeah moonlighting is the most popular one but but rachel and ross was like the most biggest one of it and the domino effect that kind of led over where they're like which i don't know if it's corporate mandated like hey let's do that with all of our shows but it is compelling that's what made him must watch TV, which also spilled into that Thursday night block of ER because they had Julia Margulies' character also in that kind of relationship with George Clooney's character on ER. You got a whole night of that. The domino effect, yeah. The only I, one that didn't have that was Will and Grace. Seinfeld, really. That's true. The Seinfeld was a different kind of show altogether, which, <laughs> right. predates, which predates Frasier. So now doing the rewatch and seeing this pilot for the first time tyler what was it about the pilot that you enjoyed and or even got you hooked so it's, it's funny because um we're all kcss alumni and things mm-hmm. like that and so mm-hmm. instantly with that opening scene where he's in the radio booth and even like seeing um Roz behind her station and like looking at her board and i just i instantly took me back two days broadcasting uh, in, in college which was super cool and so instantly kind of being able to like relate to that and instantly like intrigued um because i honestly don't really 
remember the radio stuff in terms of when my parents were watching it and singing it as a kid mm-hmm. and then instantly saying like, oh, it's kind of weird. Like, you know, last we checked in with him, he's in Boston and, you know, always visiting Cheers and he was a psychiatrist. And like now he's got a radio show. It's kind of definitely different. And then he gets into he, during that scene, he explains, you know, he has moved to Seattle and things like that. And also like being intrigued by the, you know, his father and stuff. I think the introduction to Martin and how kind of how standoffish they are with the situation at hand with him being injured, not being able to take care of himself and that fight and struggle between Niles and Frazier of who's going to take care of dad. Frazier being he's got to be the one to never be, you know, take him in. I think the dynamic of the of their relationship, Martin and Frazier, definitely kind of like you know stood out to me. I'm always a sucker for like father son stories and stuff and how they grow. Unfortunately, like I, I have a great relationship with my dad, but putting myself in, in his shoes, you know, what it would be like to be in that scenario with my dad. And unfortunately, my relationship with my dad is a lot better than Frazier's was <laughs> as Martin, you know, when they first started moving in. But seeing how they, they reacted to where Frazier's this really posh gentleman. He's got psychiatrists, radio personality, and Martin's a retired police officer, very old school and very brunt about certain things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and in his tastes, which I think is a testament to like some of the great moments we see from Martin throughout the series. Yeah, he knows what he likes. He likes his chair. He likes his TV. He likes his beer. He knows exactly what makes him happy and having to deal with Frazier, who also knows what he likes, but can also be easily annoyed by anything that anyone does that isn't to his liking. <laughs> He's a very, that's the thing, they're polar opposites. Frazier is a very vain character. Oh, yeah. And there's very <laughs> If it's not to his liking, I mean, he'll let you know about about it. But Martin, in the same way, too, it's like he's pretty stuck in his way. But at the same time, he's more I feel like he's more understanding as a person than Frazier is, at least about like, you know, certain things where something Frazier will take offense to. Like, it's not that big of a deal to Martin, I feel like. But like yeah. you said, the decor of the house, it's like a chair is a chair. And uh, he has a, he's got the eclectic style of furniture, you know, there they go dragging Martin's chair in to put it right in the right in the spot, right in front of the TV. I thought that was a nice little Easter egg in the series finale that the same guy who brought the chair in is also the same guy who took mm-hmm. the chair out of oh, the apartment. Oh, I didn't notice this, that. Yeah, Very which cool. I thought was a really, really nice touch. David Angle, Peter Casey, and David Lee are the guys who created Frasier. They also wrote this pilot episode. James Burroughs directed the episode. If people know their history, all worked on Cheers. The three of these creators, they made a deal before Cheers was over with Kelsey Grammer to work on a show together. That show was not going to be Frasier. It was going to be something else entirely. What they pitched, the network was not into it at all. So I think that I think it was the network's idea where they were like, how about we just do more Frasier? <laughs> and so that's what they ended up doing. And like you mentioned in the beginning, the, the episode starts with six months after the conclusion of Cheers. And here we are with Frasier, who's divorced from Lilith. And he's explaining the exposition beautifully on the air to one of his callers just a really great writing move. I, I don't know if you agree with that, Romeo, but I just thought it was a great way to exposition jump of to get where we need to be in order for all of this to make sense. It's perfect because it's in character of how we know Fraser Crane from Cheers going into these long winded psychological 
explanations at the bar. Now he's doing on the radio station. Well, no one ever shut him up at the bar. Roz did. He's like, no one heard that, Frasier. We've been on the other show for the last five minutes. Right, right. Time matters in radio. Hey, when they say you got 30 seconds, guess what? You got 30 seconds. <laughs> right. And and it was just a perfect way of saying, yeah, he's Frasier Crane, but it's not going to be like Cheers because Ross and none of these characters are going to have it. And that's the other fascinating thing that this show sets up right away is that, yeah, this isn't going to be like Cheers. We got multiple sets. We have the radio station. We have Cafe Nervosa. We have Frasier's apartment. All of these are rotating throughout each episode. And with Cheers, the entire first season was in the bar. So yeah, you're just getting something completely different. The jokes are completely different. And like we talked about with Niles and Frasier, who, who are more on the classier side or the upper class, as they like to associate themselves with, very different dynamics. And in comparison to, say, your Norman Cliff or your Sam and Diane, you know, it's, it's all just completely different show. And so it is one of those shows where it's like, I do wonder how many Cheers fans checked out after the first few episodes, even though I think Frasier was basically a hit right off the bat. But it just makes me wonder how many Cheers fans hung on because maybe they thought they were going to get something else. And when they found out they weren't, or maybe they thought they were still going to get something along the same lines as Cheers. And when they found out they weren't, they were like, okay, I don't want to, I'm not interested in this. Yeah, because if you look at it, Cheers was about a colorful cast of characters and, and different combinations. Here you have a more intimate look of one character's life. To add on to that, it's like when Frazier, you know, after his, the character Frazier, he goes to Cheers after work to like de-stress, you know, that's his life is just going to this bar. Whereas like now it's like we see him, you know, at the radio station and be going to his apartment after work, you know, yucking it up with upper class <laughs> lifestyle of, of Seattle. Mm-hmm. And it's such a different contrast to what we're seeing that character in. But I think it plays more into like, this is Frazier Crane. This is what he's into. This is him at his core in terms of what's aesthetically pleasing to him and, and his lifestyle. Yeah, it would be like Romeo if you went to Comic-Con and you're hanging out with all these people who love comic books just as much as you do. You're with your people. That's kind mm-hmm. of the same way that Frasier is here moving back to Seattle and hanging out with Niles and hanging out with all the mm-hmm. opera people. You know, he's with his people. Even though he can go out and, and slum with the best of them. Yeah, like you just said, Tyler, in his core, this is who he is. This is what he loves. It also opens up the opportunity for him to be so narcissistic. <laughs> <laughs> which gets him in a lot of trouble throughout the series. Other things in the pilot, we get introduced to Daphne Moon. She's a bit psychic and she is very charming right off the bat. I know Jane Leaves has been around for a long time. She's been in other shows, Hot in Cleveland. I, I actually haven't seen her in anything since. She did Hot in Cleveland after Frasier. Yeah. And now she's currently on The Resident on Fox. Yes. Right. That's right. That's right. I mean, she's great in this role. You know, she really is. And what I do like about this episode is that Niles didn't meet Daphne yet. He doesn't meet her until the third episode, Dinner at Eight, which I thought was good because a big dependent on the show was the will they, won't they with Daphne and Mm -hmm. Niles. But unlike Cheers, they didn't set it up right away. They gave it a couple episodes so that you can spend time with these uh, other characters. And then when Niles meets Daphne for the first time and he's just like love at first sight, that's when you're like, okay, let's do this. Like it, it gave you a couple episodes to give you an opportunity to like Niles a lot. And then it opened the door for you to root for him even though he does some very questionable things with uh with uh daphne you know like smelling her hair or uh br- yeah, brushing up uh, against her or you know some apex uh pervert moves right there truly yes but you know what do we do we laugh at it of course we yeah. laugh at it but well, that would not fly <laughs> 
in today's it, world. It wouldn't fly, yeah, in today's writing world for sure. It's cringe. There was, um, I forget, it was a season one episode, but there's like, one, you know how the, the closing scenes, they have those, no one's talking, it's just like the scene get. Mm. Oh, the closing like, credits, yeah. Closing credit, where they go like go on an RV trip, and like he's like, as everyone's sleeping or something, like going through on a camcorder, is like focused in on Daphne <laughs> while she's like sleeping. It's the creepiest, <laughs> as you said, Romeo, the cringiest thing watching on a show but like it's a sitcom it's a comedy kind of just laughed off but like hindsight it's like oh this is like really creepy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> watching in 2021 2022 uh, going back to you know him you know not being introduced to the third episode or until the third episode i think it like you said i think it was a clever idea and because also if you do introduce his introduction to daphne in the first one i feel like it kind of pulls away from kind of the main core issue that's being handled was with that coming to terms with like Frazier having to move in Martin and their struggle. I think it was important for them to establish their clash first and not detract from that because it is such a also kind of a heavy focus, especially that first season in Frazier and Martin's relationship. Yeah, that's a really good point. They do get an argument, but they make amends by the end of the episode with Martin calling into the show, which is, again, another really clever writing moment for Martin to need the barrier between them by basically, yeah, using a phone call, using the radio as a barrier between them so that he can uh, express his feelings and, and gratitude. And I love how he says, thank you. And Frazier is like, oh, I'm sure he understands or something. <laughs> and then Martin kind of follows up with it. Did you hear that? I said, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's the great thing too, especially with Martin's character. Like there's a lot of like serious moments that kind of surprise you in a way coming out of Martin, but he's played so brilliantly by John Mahoney being able to be in a serious moment, but also, you know, jump back instantly into that comedy that we're looking for in a sitcom is just like masterful. And that's part of the reason why I think like Martin's also one of my favorite characters because yeah. of, you know, how well John's able to portray him as it just goes on to like show like especially you know, further down the line when you get to other episodes, uh, such as Niles and Frazier are under the impression that their dad had an affair. Yeah, how he reacts and how he you know tells the news, tells them about it. And then also another instance comes to where like, I think they, they take him out to dinner and Frazier and Niles are so hoity-toity and judgmental about this steakhouse that they're going to and where they're like disrespecting the wait staff and all these crazy things. And he just, you know, Martin just lays into him like, I'm ashamed of, of you boys for mm. how you've behaved. I really noticed that tone with them, especially in that first episode where it's like, you know, you might get more of this throughout the series. And sure enough, we do. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely a lot of moments where Martin has to put his dad pants on to his grown children and tell them like, hey, you're supposed to be better than this. Like, I raise you to be better than this. And John Mahoney really crushed it. And yeah, he, he really was that perfect foil for the two of them because if you got too many stuffed shirts in the show, then it just probably not going to work. Let's say if we go off of what's established in Cheers. Frazier says his dad is dead. But let's say Niles does exist anyways. He just never mm -hmm. mentioned him in Cheers because he does say he's an only child. But we instead decide to keep Frazier's mom alive and not his dad and establish that in this show. I don't think it works as well because their mom used to be a uh, research scientist. In fact, she named her Lab Rats after them, if I remember correctly. So. Jesus. <laughs> 
Yeah, because you have Niles, you have Frazier, and if you bring in their mother, it's like now you have three people that are kind of they're too much alike. Yeah, you could or you could have Martin and substitute Niles by his mom is still alive, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's you don't have that natural clash of like differing viewpoints that Martin from an older generation and and Frazier being in that current generation at at the time it just works seamlessly. I think mm-hmm. the whole premise is a comedy of errors or comedy of manners type of style. A lot of the plots remind me of plays like Importance of Being Earnest and Noel Coward plays Mm. where it's about what is expected of you in society and it's this thing where Martin and the rest of the world, the normal folk as I call them, are like, just be a freaking human being. But yet you have Niles and Frasier always sort of upping the ante, like even like his ideal dinner parties. I'm like, holy crap, Martin's right. He's throwing some damn crackers on a plate and call it a day. <laughs> this isn't Downton Abbey. Yeah, because if it was all just everyone of sort of the same background, this wouldn't have lasted more than one season. And then I think they knew that because they were still bringing on, because they were trained on Cheers. And what made Cheers so great was you had different people from different backgrounds came to this one place and you found the comedy and, and the uh, conflict in that. And that's what they did here, especially when Daphne's family shows up. Tyler, do you have a moment that sticks out to you of of what made you in it for the long haul? Or is it really just going off of the pilot and enjoying for what that is that, you know, you're going to stick around with the show for a while? I don't remember exactly when I know, like, I can't tell you exactly which episode. One thing I noticed, especially about the comedy of a lot of the, the episodes was how the main clash or the main focus of an episode, it comes down to so many farces and misunderstandings. And I think as mm. Romeo has alluded mm-hmm. to in, in a previous statement where it's just like things just spiral out of control and just the comedy of it unfolding in front of you with these people. <laughs> I just loved it. It's, just, it's so fun to watch. I think also one thing that stands out to me too is like, I believe it was in the first season when um, Frazier uh, buys the painting at the art store and, and it's a, <laughs> Very well-known painting or by an artist. He brings it by, has like a whole house party thing. So like because of it, invites the artists themselves to go there. Little does he know he purchased a fake. And being the the butt of a joke on that where puts himself in these uncomfortable situations. And you don't really feel bad for him at the time because the position he's put himself is so ridiculous anyways that like you can't really relate. You bought a fake painting and that sucks. Yeah, it looks beautiful, but like... Now he's put himself in this uncomfortable situation where the artist himself is there. It's like nobody just invites the artist to your house for like a viewing party of like this <laughs> right. painting. Yet he has and he's invited at least 20 other people in his apartment and he's just just humiliated. He even says he just feels so humiliated by it being a fake and wanting to you know enact his revenge on the person that sold it to him. And then other episodes where somebody will lead him to think that his sexual preference is one way. And because no one's communicating and trying to, like, nip the miscommunication in the bud, it continues to spiral. Or they go along to continue that miscommunication, like the matchmaker, season two, episode three. Mm -hmm. And also the doctor is out where Frazier is complicit in the 
death in order to get benefits of him pretending. It's, it's so funny. And, and, and it's just like, I'm used to being the butt of everyone's joke. But watching it now, it just... Here's the thing I'll say. I never looked at any of it, and I don't think they ever wrote it this way. They're not making fun of being gay. They're making fun of the miscommunication. They're, they're making fun of Yeah, but, but it's based on stereotypes of what is supposed to be what masculinity is. It's toxic masculinity. They're saying that if you like art, literature, opera, you're automatically gay. I honestly don't think the show was ever doing that. Um, like the episode with Fraser's new uh, station manager, like that's all just based off yeah, of words I, that are just completely misinterpreted. You know? which, which is fine. I'm talking about specifically the episode with my beloved John Luke Picard in it. That's the one I take great umbrage with. Okay, like I mean, the ski lodge was hilarious because everyone's trying to sleep with everybody. Right. <laughs> it literally is a cartoonier version of Scooby-Doo as they're right. jumping into each door. It's, oh, it's brilliant set. Yeah, they did a great job with yeah, that one. But of course, it was like towards the end of the run mm-hmm. of Frasier where they're like kind of running out of ideas. The Doctor is probably my least favorite episode. Probably the low point wow. of the series. Okay. Yeah, one of the creators is gay. I think David Lee is gay. By the way, K-A-C-L. I don't know if you guys noticed. Angle, Casey, Lee, the creator's last names mm. to make the uh, call letters for the station. So yeah, just a little clever uh, trivia So yeah, there. he is openly cool. gay. We're talking about the creator here who writes a lot of episodes. Right. And so Did he I write mean, that? Huh? I'm going to find out. Did he write that episode? He approved he, he it. Directed it. <laughs> he directed it. Oh, he directed it? <laughs> Dude, but Joe Keenan, let's see. Hold on. I'm doing a deep dive for me like storylines like that made my life a living hell as a teenager because one has been done more than once in that like this is a recurring theme here and it's kind of like rule of three you only do it three times and then you're good it stops right. being funny lee directing that episode that's pretty interesting information and there. the writer is also gay too what are we doing well not all gay people have the same idea of comedy so yeah. that's just how it goes so let's go ahead and jump into some of these characters i think we should just start out with fraser so we know a lot about fraser already going into the series and then in this series if there's one thing i can say that i really appreciate about what it does for the character is that there are some deconstructing moments in the series for him the two-parter that i find most notable that demonstrates this is don juan in hell where he basically runs away from who seemingly is the perfect woman from him played by Patricia Clarkson Claire and then he basically goes into isolation so that he can uh, what has all these past relationships the serious ones what it has done to him as as a person what does it all mean you know we get Lilith back in this we get Uh Danny G who's played by a different actress not Emma Thompson to just like figure all that out and piece it all together was was really interesting or how about the episode when he he dates a woman that looks exactly like his mom played by Reed Wilson. <laughs> mm-hmm. So another thing to note about Fraser, he's still Freudian. And as we know, over the years now, a lot of the Freudian stuff, even though it's important to learn it, a lot of it is unfounded, <laughs> to say mm-hmm. the least. But he still hangs on to being so Freudian. And even though his heart is in the right place when he's trying to help people, sometimes he gets a lot of things wrong. And he tends to make things worse sometimes for people. And Martin will even say to Fraser, it's like, hey, how about you just don't get involved? <laughs> you know, yeah. but Frazier can't help himself and gets involved. We do get a, a much 
much more intimate look into this character. That's something that this show has a step above with Cheers in comparison. I think his buy-in with like Freudian uh, techniques and like psychology and stuff, it's like him psychoanalyzing things are a lot of like what brings a lot of the conflicts in the episodes. Yeah. He just makes more trouble for him than would normally happen if he wasn't so invested in like analyzing every situation. And like when he's trying to figure out for the life of him why Martin is so much better at chess than he is. Yeah. And yeah. He, he's just trying to determine, okay, which move do I need to make to beat him? And I think he even pulls Niles in on it too so they could like figure it out. And I think Niles makes a comment the like, okay, well, okay, at some point it's natural for the son to overcome the father and stuff like that. But like yeah. at the core of it, he's just bad at chess. He yeah. thinks he's good at chess, but he's just bad at chess. And as long as he, I mean, if he kept practicing and kept playing Martin, you know, over time, yeah, I'm sure he'll get better, but he's just so distraught that Martin is so much better at like a thinking man's game than he is, which it goes to show his vein and he is so vain and arrogant about certain things. It's funny to see it play off on the screen and you really don't really feel bad for him too, because <laughs> at least right. for me, because it's just like you're just <laughs> blowing this whole thing out of proportion and it, it's your own fault. And you're right about that. Frazier is just straight up bad at chess because we've seen him play Woody in chess and cheers. And what does Woody do? He keeps beating Frazier. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> I mean, in conclusion, Frazier's just not good at chess, but you're totally right about that. He does think to himself like chess is supposed to be like, yeah, a smart person's game. And so when a smart person can't beat a person who is does not meet that level of intelligence. Oh, yeah, that frustrates him. It would definitely be like so you guys both play video games and all those years, you know, you probably think you're pretty good at video games. But what if I jump onto the game you're playing and suddenly I'm just tearing you guys up? You know, it's just like I don't play video games often at all, really. So, yeah. First um, of all, how dare you? Second of all, <laughs> you'll never play the fork knife. <laughs> But my wife, she plays video games a lot, too. And sometimes I'll just jump on and play with her. And I end up doing things or being levels much more smoothly and faster than her because I don't know. Sometimes it just clicks, you know, <laughs> it, just, it just happens. Like Again, yeah. rude. You're a guest. You play at her level. You don't need to outshine her. Let her do her thing. There was a recent thing with Fall Guys that I did. Uh, she couldn't beat this one level. And so <laughs> the next time she was playing it, I told her to hand me the controller and I beat it on my first try. <laughs> she was so mad at me. <laughs> yeah. Someone sat on the couch that night. It's weird too because it's such a natural like reaction I think when like, you know, especially if that's like your thing, that's like your hobby and you know, you get into something and then all of a sudden like you said, like a newcomer comes along and just clears the table. I think it's a core human reaction I think that a lot of people have. It's just a matter of how you handle it and mm -hmm. Frazier always handles it so poorly. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> And I mean, other people do. I mean, like we're just talking about video games and stuff. Like how many times have I been in a PlayStation lobby and someone is just screaming at somebody because they're frustrated because they keep calling dying in Call of Duty, which is like a whole it's like oh, yeah. not even the same thing as chess. But at the same time, it's like people get so frustrated just because, you know, someone's winning at a game. And it's like at the end of the day, it's just a game. Mm -hmm. Someone sounds <laughs> they need to call Dr. Crane and get some medical help. <laughs> yeah, especially with the chess on that. Like he is his own worst enemy in a lot of these <laughs> scenarios. No doubt. Which I think that's what makes him relatable. 
<laughs> yeah, is you're he right. has those flaws. Because I think like we all think we're really right. We all think like we're really good at something. And we all have our um, blind spots. Yeah. And we let our Hebrews get to us sometimes. And then you have someone like Martin that comes along and knock it down a couple of pegs. And his other relationships in the show, like with Lilith and Frederick, those are really good personal relationships to learn about. Maybe not so much with Lilith. <laughs> so Fraser has a tendency to always go back, right? He chased Nanny McGee and, and Cheers. He almost slept with Nanny McGee again. Well, actually, no, I think he did sleep with her. But yeah, he always goes back to his exes. You know, he just really can't help himself. He's so weak. He goes on like these dry spells of intimacy. And so when he has this opportunity to jump back into it, even though he, he knows as from uh, just being a psychiatrist himself, he knows it's the wrong decision to do, but he can't help himself. He wants what he wants. You know, he wants to get laid. So there was that really uh, good moment. And the first time Lilith returns, the reason why she comes back is because Fraser wrote that letter saying that he wishes for them to be back together. But Fraser did write the letter, but he wrote it well over a year ago. And in that time, he grew to uh, no longer want to be with Lilith anymore. It's just one of those things like having to come to terms and, and realizing that you need to move on. And yeah, and Fraser, he has to have the tough discussions sometimes. And like with Frederick, when he doesn't want Frederick to know that he's bad at softball because he wants his sons to still think of him as the guy who can do anything, the dad who can do anything. And I think about that too. Yeah, there's going to be a point in my life where my kid's going to learn that I'm not good at everything. What is that going to be? Who knows? But with Frazier, he learned that Martin wasn't good at everything when he realized Martin wasn't good at math, that Frazier was better at math than him. And then with Frederick, Frazier proves that he's just not good at softball, not good at sports in general, just really unathletic. And just having that one-on-one conversation about that and then accidentally spilling that grandpa's not good at math. <laughs> and then when Martin's like, well, what'd you go on and tell him that for? You know, which was a great, great finish to the episode. And, and yeah, and there was, I can't remember the episode, but there was one thing where it was like, there was a woman sitting out in the rain and then Fraser contemplated picking her up and then he did, but she turned out to be a prostitute. I have to remember like, I vaguely exactly remember what it is. Yeah, what, what yeah. episode you're... But basically the lesson was that he wants to demonstrate to his son like to do the right thing, you know, to help people in need and be a good person. But his imagination ran wild that, well, what if she turns out to be a hooker and she tries to steal your money or something like that? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's things that I myself am, am going to have to encounter. You see the poor person sitting on the street asking for money and you're with your daughter and you're walking by. Do I hand that person a dollar so that my my daughter sees that be a good person, do the right thing or, or try to be helpful and, and be kind and stuff like that? These are all things that I'm terrified of trying to figure out as a parent. And we see that explored a little bit with Frasier. And I'm glad that the show wasn't afraid to take chances like that. So people like to say like, oh, Frasier is a show that's too smart or too snooty or something like that. It's smart in a different way. It's smart in a relatable way and having you think about these moments and, and examining them. The thing that makes us like him as a character too is as you said, like he generally wants to help people, whether it be his family or you know even the callers on his radio show. But also it's like there's that balance of like he's trying to help certain people with their situations, but he has a hard time helping himself in certain situations based on, you know, his background, you know, way of like psychoanalyzing everything. But at the end of the day, that's what makes him relatable is because we all have kind of like the struggles of like how we're going to handle certain situations. And I think that is one of the reasons why he is a likable character more so than, you know, some of his other traits, I would say. I will say, though, even though he genuinely does want to help people, he also wants to be recognized for genuinely wanting to help people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
through his radio show, through the CB awards. Like he wants to win the CBs and they don't win some years and he really takes it personally. Like he wants the recognition, the notoriety for being there and, and being helping people. So Niles... Let's talk about Niles for a bit. What I found really interesting during my rewatch is that even though Niles is obviously Frazier is great, but I think a lot of people will say that Niles is really the one who really brings the show home. He steals the show a lot of the times, you know, what I found fascinating about the series is that we get very little. Actually, we might only get one Niles centric episode. And that episode is when he was offering psychiatric advice to a Seattle Sonics basketball player player with cheers they're such an ensemble that you get different episodes featuring different characters like they're more centric in that with Frasier it's predominantly about Frasier and then everyone else is tied into it in some way and I don't know if you guys noticed that during a rewatch I know both you guys watched a much smaller sample recently so it was hard to really notice that but as great as Niles is very little attention is given to him outside of what's going on with Frasier like how is Frasier tied into it or, or Daphne for that matter. That's pretty accurate because like when we see Niles, it's either with his his uh, relationship with Daphne and whether or not they will or won't get together being part of it. And then also like him just being that little brother to Frazier, but also it's like serving also as like competition to Frazier too, because mm-hmm. there's always that like, who's the better psychiatrist? Yeah, it's funny that you say that because like you don't really see him too much on, on his own. It's all, He's always got to play with characters and what's going on around them. He's still very fun character very goofy and quirky at times <laughs> how he reacts to things and one of my favorite moments with him is i think it's the same episode where fraser buys that fake painting and fraser just wants to like throw the brick through the window and be his sort of revenge yeah and he pleads them, like don't do that because if you do that you become you're no longer a human you're you're below a human you're you're like a neanderthal or something and so he like reluctantly like doesn't do it and then instead niles then immediately just throws it through the, through the <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, the kid's frustration with whatever Frazier was talking with him about and his way of like getting back at uh, you know society for whatever predicament there is. And then, but he still has that like line of like we pay for our damages, and he just like instantly like starts chucking money through the broken window that he just demolished. <laughs> <laughs> I forget the exact line, but just like little quirky moments with Niles make him a fun character to watch on screen. I mean, it's all like David High Pierce because his comedic timing is amazing. His character choices of the expressions he makes when he sees something. Like I go back to the matchmaker, which may be one of my favorite episodes where he's just that whole interaction where he's there to sabotage what he thinks is a setup between Fraser's new boss and Daphne, which of course Daphne's all dolled up. And then when he goes and finds out like, oh no, he's interested in Fraser, his reaction is like, nope, I'm good. I'll see you guys later. His brief exit is amazing. Yeah, he has the best reactions too. Like even um, in the series finale where there, where he's trying to get his future daughter or son to like Mozart to be more like him. Yeah. And the fact that the baby kicked the headphones <laughs> off the belly. <laughs> his reaction is like, what the hell? I'm in trouble. Or Daphne goes into the labor room and he thinks it's because he said open bar. Yes. <laughs> But we also learned that Daphne is afraid that they're going to get another Niles or Fraser Crane child, you know, and how is Daphne going to be able to live up 
trying to raise a kid like that being so different like she says i know how to handle a moon boy but i don't know how to handle a crane baby i thought that was a an interesting perspective because it does go both ways you can't just think like just because someone is a successful psychiatrist like niles that it means that he was easy to raise no martin will tell you how difficult it was it was to raise those two sometimes (laughs) and uh yeah it's, it's just no secret parenthood like that it's the same across the Board, you know, it's it's always going to be difficult, regardless of what kind of kid you have, no matter how well behaved, or how good are their grades or any of that stuff. Like they all present their own challenges. Niles learning the what Daphne said about that, I think really helps them find a connectivity there and, and meet halfway and, and know how to team together and raise this child. I wish we got a spinoff. Honestly, I know that was probably never an idea of theirs, but it would have been fun to see a Niles Daphne television show raising a kid but i don't know maybe it wouldn't have worked because what supporting characters do you even have in a show like that daphne's family i don't know if i want to spend more time with no, daphne's no, 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 no. family <laughs> you know between the two of them i think it could have worked if you have the right supporting characters i think you could have spun off any of these characters after fraser because it goes to show like each of them can hold your attention each of them are just as entertaining but again what makes or breaks them is the supporting characters and i think that would have been really smart so we touched on martin and his relationship with fraser quite a bit there's one more thing i want to talk about martin is the episode where we come to learn that he attends the man who shot him parole hearing martin still can't bring himself to forgive the man that shot him it was like this really interesting choice on the show's part to present that this thing that happened to him that changed his life forever did the events of what happened change it in a way where like it allowed the opportunity for him to rebuild his relationship with his sons hire a caretaker that wound up being one of his son's spouse it was like a horrible thing that happened to him but result but so many good things came out of it later but yeah he just can't bring himself to forgive the man that did that to him i think what stands out to me too about that episode and, and him not being able to speak at the hearing with Frazier and Martin, right? Frazier, I feel like it's generally like he's, even though he's like vain and kind of um, arrogant and stuff, he has this idea, this optimism that like people can change. Whereas like Martin kind of like set in his ways, but like more of like a pessimist, especially in, I don't know what season that episode was. Uh, I think it was called actually A Day in May appeared in 2001. So maybe season seven or eight. You know, I think Martin being on the police force and like, I think he generally like thinks that people don't change and and yeah, this thing like happened a while ago, but still it's like, like you said, like a, a pivotal moment in his life that like brought it to where he's at, where he has to live with Frazier. And I'm not sure if like there's like an internal struggle of like trying to figure out whether or not he should forgive the man or let him continue serving out his sentence and stuff. And I think we see a lot of like internal struggles with Martin on certain things, that just being one of them. Like Martin, I forget what episode it is. There's like an episode probably earlier on in the season, uh, the series, I should say, where it takes him so much effort just to tell Frazier and Niles that he loves them Mm -hmm. and kind of just that stubbornness that he has about his character, I think comes out those certain moments. Sometimes the show has those serious moments and when it does well is sort of explained 
explore grief. And the terms that have all connected back to Martin's thing is Martin was set to retire, but he was going to leave the force on his own terms and that was taken from him. And I think the resentment that he's no longer able to have that independent freedom to do what he wanted with his retirement. Yes, because of what happened to him, he's no longer estranged from either of his sons and he got to get to know his grandson, which allowed one of his sons to meet someone who is worthy of his devotion, unlike Mavis. And we have to talk about Mavis. Maris. <laughs> Maris, sorry. And we have to talk about that that non-existent character. I love oh. that they continue that trope of like having that character that's always mentioned but never seen on screen compared to like Vera and Cheers. And uh, Stan Walker from Will and Grace. I think they have like a meeting every Tuesday at a, at a seedy <laughs> bar where it's dimly lit. With neither one, I can see the other. Yeah, with Maris, it's like she's ghost white. She's very thin, very I, frail. This was a man that was looking forward to the next chapter of his life. And I think a lot of people in that situation struggle with whether or not how do you move on? Because you don't want to hold on to that resentment, but that person who stole that from me that can never get back should be punished. And as much as you want to let go of that resentment, it's hard. Absolutely. I didn't talk about Kelsey Grammer much. Kelsey Grammer has had a completely insane life. One thing I know is didn't he have to go to like a rehabilitation stint at some point during the series? He's It's very much noted that he has an alcohol problem. He has done his fair share of substance abuse, cocaine specifically. Some of this stems from his childhood, early adult years, because just so we get into it real quick here. So Kelsey Grammer, he was born in the Virgin Islands. His mother was a singer and actress. His father was a musician and he owned a coffee shop and a bar and grill. He had one younger sister named Karen, and he also had four half siblings from his father's second marriage. He's had a lot of family tragedies. So after his parents divorce, he was raised by his mom and his maternal grandparents. They moved to Florida. I think he was almost a teenager when they moved to Florida or somewhere around there. He was, he was still pretty young. So uh, when he was 12, his grandfather died of cancer. But in 1968, his father was murdered by a cab driver. And in 1975, his sister was kidnapped, raped, and murdered in Colorado Springs. Oh my goodness. Yes. And in 1980, two of his half brothers died in a scuba diving accident when they were teenagers. So it's like a whirlwind of family tragedy that really affected him because he got accepted into Juilliard. He was studying drama at Juilliard and he wasn't able to finish. He failed to attend his classes and was expelled. According to an interview in interviews, he said that it was basically because he just was dealing with the death of his sister. That one, I think out of all the death in his family, hit him the hardest. And I think that's probably the root cause of his alcoholism and his substance abuse. Other interesting things about him is that I was reading some of his book, his autobiography called So Far. This guy is quite full of himself. Even through all of this experience, he's still very much full of himself. We know about the conflicts with Diane on Cheers, Shelley Long. We do know that they eventually made up because obviously she had her guest spot on Frasier. In fact, their final scene together was basically 
it was almost like played like it was a real life moment where they're just forgiving each other and ready to bury the hatchet and both move on with their lives and careers. So it was like a sweet, tender moment in that way. But yeah, the guy's quite full of himself. He's also a Republican and not the great kind. He's supported Ben Carson before, even though he didn't get the nomination. He's endorsed Donald Trump. There was a point where he was for abortion, but at some point he's flipped on that. He is anti-abortion. He is pro-same-sex marriage. So all of these things about him are very interesting because we're talking about a guy who is going to be part of the producing of the Frasier revival. I do wonder to myself, how close to home is he going to make Frasier in 2022 or 2024 mm-hmm. or whatever when this series mm-hmm. comes out? Romeo, go ahead and say your piece about what you might think happens here. And what do you think of Kelsey Grammer as a person? How could it affect a Frasier revival? Don't do what Roseanne did. Because Roseanne was a liberal who fought for the working class, blue collar, and then she came back that first season of a revival as a pro-Trump supporter. I'm like, that is the ultimate portrayal of what Roseanne Connor was. And we were like, she got herself fired. So the show could continue on and, and improve. If they were to make him a conservative, because they never really talked about politics from my recollection, because they were kind of neutral about it. Did they really talk about his politics? Him coming on as a conservative wouldn't surprise me per se, because he's among the elite of Seattle. However, how conservative does he go? Because it would be a betrayal. I don't like what they're proposing. It's basically starting from scratch, new city, same premise, all new characters. Oh, that's weird. I remember seeing something being honest. I think actually probably within the last year or two when we first started talking about doing a, a Frasier episode. I remember, I think, either David, like a link saying, like announcing that it was going to be a thing. But like since then, I haven't really looked into it. Yeah. Honestly, so, I haven't really been excited about it either. It's been slow moving and yeah, like so, to the point where I thought it wasn't even going to happen. So the fact it is happening and the way it's happening doesn't surprise me. And it also disappoints yeah, me. Beginning of this month, they said that, yeah, Disney Plus ordered a sequel series consisting of 10 episodes. So it's not going to yeah. build off of where the characters now or so it'll build up where the character has been they're not like dropping his history because he, as you know he was supposed to go to um san francisco to a, a bigger market but went to chicago we'll instead. Go for love and it, it sounds like that didn't pan out as of now none of the former cast members are expected to join so it is worth noting that fraser is left-leaning because there was an episode called the candidate where Frazier and Niles disapprove of Martin endorsing a right-wing political candidate. So Frazier puts himself out there to endorse the left-wing candidate, and they even try to shoot a commercial at his apartments. Mm-hmm. But this candidate reveals to Frazier that he was abducted by aliens. <laughs> Do you remember that? Yeah. It, it is probably my favorite episode because <laughs> the silence and delivery of the line when he's explaining that he was abducted by aliens kills me. It's so good. And then... After that, Frazier's like a totally different person. He's like a nervous wreck on camera. Like the candidate like goes to shake his hand. And he like flinches a little bit. Like it is 
comedy gold is a great episode. I recommend you guys yeah. watch it. So, yes, yeah, so then it would be a betrayal then for him to come out as a Republican. What What is Kelsey Grammer, who has an ego, what does he do? Does he stay true to the character or does he has to? He has to, right? Because he's seen what happened with Roseanne. Keep her mouth shut. Don't talk about politics in interviews or on Twitter. The only thing I could think of that is like maybe at like now that, you know, that we've last seen the character in 2004 and now it would be 20 to 2023, whenever this thing comes out, him being older, maybe taking on more of the values that maybe Martin has, because Martin was definitely a more conservative uh, character compared to everybody else. And maybe that's how he kind of get if, if they are going to make a shift or really make it touch on politics with this reboot. That's the only way I could really see them making that transition without totally like going against what the character is. I think uh, when this came out, I think I pitched it. It should be something like him being older, having to move in with Freddy and the act who played Freddy is still working. He was recently in The Magicians. And I think that would be a fun way to sort of carry on that legacy where he's in a situation where he has to somehow move in with Freddy for some reason. They'll work it out and sort of honor that tradition because that was his fear being having that estrangement that he had with his father. And I think that would probably be the smartest thing for them to do and have some of the other characters characters stop in whether they're like recurring or bring them back maybe whatever new city he's in he's like hey let me get ross to produce me again yeah maybe or it might be funnier is maybe he needs his son's help to do a podcast now <laughs> yeah i was just <laughs> gonna say bring a podcast into because it. even though talk radio is still going but the business has changed a lot of that stuff is pre-recorded granted how would you do that people calling in Twitch, yeah. He's on, oh my God, YouTube and He's Twitch. on Twitch. How great That's would that how be? you bring Freddy in. He's going to be the social media expert. Yeah, we, we did it. We saved the spinoff. But will Kelsey Grammer do that? No. <laughs> right. I think he wants it to be exactly like the original. And that's the thing about these revivals always to worry about too, is they're trying to recapture the magic of what made that show great. But the thing is, it's a part of his time. And I think that some of the pitfalls that happen with a lot of them, like Murphy Brown is one of them where they're trying to stay close to what made the original so good and then this sort of fell flat and didn't focus on how do we move it forward yeah. for his audience. And I've always been like against revivals types things. Like the X-Files, like yeah, like I enjoyed some of the episodes. I never finished that revival series that came out. I never did. <laughs> I think once they went to the they do like a mid-season finale thing and then like a year later release like a couple more episodes. Like I never watched it after that. It's good. Oddly enough it was the episode just came out by the time this recording is released of our X-Files talk and we talked about uh, it at length and you would like it you get a better series finale okay yeah. good so this series finale it really closes the chapter on everything so well that I agree Tyler having a revival just I, don't, I wouldn't say ruins it but it is kind of like all right, we don't really it's need unnecessary. this unnecessary it really but, is and, and yeah. I think it just kind of ties in with Kelsey Grammer's career in general which 
which is an overall kind of a disappointment outside of Frasier. He does a lot of voice acting, so to his credit, he makes his bank in that. But there's a lot of he shows up too, right? I don't know how much theater he's doing, oh, but he on. just pops up in things like Money Plane, and you're just like, what, what you, what's going on? Like he's just like he's just taking roles to make money, and some of that probably has to do with. I mean, he has a history of being difficult to work with, you know, because of his bad habits outside of work, you know, and makes him even during Frasier, you know, the, there has been reports of, uh, you know, his drinking being a problem and having it affect his work and all of that. He's not an easy guy to be with. He's been married four times. I like it. This guy is he's a complicated human being who, to his credit, is not dead and still working in Hollywood. So good for him. But it's not the career you'd think it would be when you know that this guy was a Juilliard actor with an amazing voice, really, both singing and just in general, just a great voice. Theater trained, you know, like just, there's just a lot of great qualities to this actor and he just doesn't live up to his own potential. And I think he's just trying to recapture what was great about his career, which was Frasier. And he just wants to relive it. Maybe we're getting too psychoanalytical about it, but that's just how I look at it. He does some theater, last theater credit was 2020. We write a lot of voice acting. I'm a little nerd, like the last two films. One of them is called Father Christmas is Back. Yeah, yeah, he's doing some Jesus movies now. That's uh-huh, right. Uh-huh. That's right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And he's also in Flowers in the Attic, The Origin, which I'm like, okay, that's a choice. But a lot of voice acting too, like Wizard's Hits of Arcadia, which is a fairly well-reviewed, was the voiceover for the 200th episode of Arrow. Yeah, that makes me nervous because he is an executive producer. Because you're right, that finale is a perfect finale. It closed up everyone. Like, Ross pretty much got what she wants respect. (laughs) And the only person who knew how to run this station finally gets to run the station but yeah i'm afraid it undoes it i'm afraid it does because frazier's identity is now tied around his friends and family for him to say oh well, we'll just start all over again and redo frazier from the beginning mm-hmm. is really disingenuous to a lot of the people who's watched him for so many seasons so material that enriches the viewing experience for frazier well there is there's a lot of reading material there's my life as a dog by brian hargrove that's about moose who plays Eddie, who reveals his uh, mongrel to megastar story as he takes readers behind the scenes of the hit TV show and shares stories about his co-stars, his romances, his trip to the Cannes Film Festival, and his Hollywood lifestyle. We didn't touch about Moose very often, but he is one of the most popular dogs in television history. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows the dog from Frasier. Everybody knows mm-hmm. Eddie. Played by Moose and then later by his son Enzo when Moose started to age out basically out of damn damn even the dogs aged out yeah i mentioned so far by kelsey Grammer, his autobiography there is a fun simpsons episode called brother from another series with sideshow bob voiced by kelsey Grammer. he's released from prison and he's into the care of his respectable brother cecil who's voiced by david hyde pierce it's just a fun you know moment there just to hear the two of them voice act together so there's yeah there's a bunch of books on frazier there's the best of frazier books where featuring like multiple scripts from the show, the Fraser scripts, Cafe Nervosa, the connoisseur's cookbook. I try to get my hands on it and I haven't had it yet. It, it's on its way. So that's probably just something I'll have to touch on in the final thoughts. Uh, there's Fraser, a cultural history, which is the cultural history of television, really. Uh, oh. So yeah, there's just a bunch of reading material on Fraser that if you want to learn more about the series, it's a great way to do it. So 
let's go ahead and move on to suggesting similar shows and franchises that viewers might also enjoy. Tyler, are there any that you have that you want to suggest? If you haven't watched it at this point, you got to watch Cheers. That's for sure. <laughs> and David, you mentioned this one in your Cheers episode, but I know Frazier makes an appearance on Wings. I've yet to see it, but I'm planning on checking that out definitely after this episode. Yeah, that's my main recommendation for sure would have to be Cheers. Yeah, and that episode is called Planes, Trains, and Flying cranes it's really funny but yeah i agree and if you don't want to watch the first two seasons of cheers because they don't feature fraser then jump on season three and enjoy the ride because he was great i talked about it in the cheers episode i said when fraser gets introduced it really is a breath of fresh air you can see why the producers fell in love with him and wanted to keep him on longer than the six episode plan that was originally implemented so yeah it just says a lot about what kelsey Grammer and, and the writers brought to that character well i'm going to go ahead and suggest wings because wings has like the same people. It was created and produced by David Engel, Peter Casey, and David Lee, the same people who created Frasier. So if you like what they do, bring it over to Wings and and see if you enjoy that. Because I feel like Wings is one of those shows that was really popular at the time, but is not one that people bring up when they talk about their favorite television shows of like the 90s. Yeah, it, it really is one of those, like, I guess you could say shows of a certain generation. So we're not the generation that watched Wings. Am I right on that? about wings is it just kind of feels like people don't really talk about wings that much no it was successful it ran for a pretty long time if i'm remembering it well yeah yeah it was on for a few seasons to my recollection i want to say it's like a monday or tuesday night Mm -hmm. i never made it onto that core block of musty tv that Mm -hmm. i can recall but it has the same pedigree as cheers because you have some of those like you said and those writers that were in those in that writing room and they made cheers i would say if you like martin because it isn't much of a work Working class show because you're in a small tiny airport with a lot of jokes where I'm just like, I don't know if we can make those jokes about planes. Okay. And I also want to throw in Everybody Loves Raymond. The reason mm-hmm. why is because the family dynamic, the sibling rivalry between Robert and Raymond is so funny. It, it reminds me of Frasier and Niles sometimes. And yeah, even though it is totally different show, but it was very popular and it was very funny at its best. And yeah, I, I think it was just a worth uh, recommendation. One, I saw. So I, I, I did some research on just like television shows that are set in radio stations. And I mm-hmm. think the one I want to recommend out of any of them is WKRP in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. It came out in the late 70s, early yep. 80s around there. It yeah, it was an American sitcom series that features the misadventures of the staff of a struggling fictional radio station in Cincinnati, Ohio. The show was created by Hugh Wilson and was based upon his experiences working in an advertising sales at Top 40 radio station WQXI in Atlanta. And many of the characters and and even some of the stories are based on people and events at WQXI. So I just wanted to throw that one out there because like Tyler, you mentioned at the beginning how we all have this radio station background and how Frazier kind of makes us feel a little bit nostalgic for that. Well, let's rewind the clock just a little bit earlier to the 80s, even before Cheers. There was a show called WKRP in Cincinnati that was really popular during its time. And if you like the radio station setting of Frazier, maybe you want to give this show a shot. And to go off of that, I haven't watched it yet, but I've been meaning to. It's kind of been on my list in the background, but going along with your recommendation for media that like relates to radio station, I was thinking of like even news radio. Yeah. Yes. Excellent suggestion. Yeah. Good suggestion too, because it had that same type of feel because it was a little bit more modern. I think we saw some of their personal lives. I think I want to say with WKRP in Cincinnati, I don't recall and I could be wrong because I haven't seen in a long time being outside of the radio station where I think news radio 
was able to sort of go into more of their personal lives. It's been a while since I watched both of those series. I want to throw out Hot in Cleveland. If you love Jane Leaves and of course Wendy Malick who plays Martin's girlfriend the last two seasons, they star alongside Valerie Bertinelli and Betty White. They were great doing little reunions with all of their past castmates. And I uh, also have one more. If you like the whole comedy of errors type of thing and the will they won't they aspect of uh, Daphne and Niles, Third Rock from the Sun. Oh, thank you. That, I should have wrote that down. That That's- is one of my favorite comedies growing up that I watched with my parents. John Lithow uh, plays a leader of a crew of aliens who come to Earth, take human form, and they're trying to do a study of Earth. Yeah, they're basically anthropologists. Yeah. Yes. It's such a funny There's show. The of it yeah. is amazing as the old man character trapped yeah. in a child. Christian Johnson and French Stewart, along with Jane Curtin from SNL fame, uh, the Coneheads. And uh, let's not forget Wayne Knight from Seinfeld. Yep. Seinfeld, Newman, yeah. yeah. Which Wayne Knight also in Hot in Cleveland. Has of course one, he is. Like, one of the neighborhood. <laughs> um, TV Land knew what they were doing. <laughs> let's just put TV it that way. Land, TV Land. <laughs> the Rick in the Sun. It's just great comedy of errors. Me and my parents still joke about the aliens, how they think that Jello was a life form. It moves. It's trying to communicate with us. It ate the stapler. We must kill it. Sorry. We yeah. got to do that for the show one day. We should definitely someday do that. That's a funny show that people need to revisit. It you know, really is good. That might be my pick this year. Oh, <laughs> we'll see. we're thinking about it. Yeah, it's yeah. funny. Sarah and I started watching because I, I love that show too, but we never, I think we were like on season three or something and we just never finished it. But that's something uh, you definitely oh, want to revisit. Yeah. Nice. to the later seasons, one of my favorite episodes, I can't talk about it or give hints because it'll ruin it for you. But yeah, so those are my picks for Fraser because it has that same smart humor of them like looking at humans as an anthropological thing. It's great. We just made some really amazing suggestions for sure. And um, I think we did a really great job with that. So since we have a few minutes, I just want to say really briefly about just like a real brief last thought about Fraser is that this was a very successful show. It won a lot of Emmys. It won like five consecutive Outstanding Comedy Series Emmys, which is a record. Record. That has only been tied by Modern Family. Kelsey Grammer was great and David Hyperis was great. They won a bunch of Emmys as well. And yeah, it's just one of those shows where it's like Romeo said at the top, they don't make sitcoms like the, in the 90s anymore. Even for its time, they don't make sitcoms like Frasier. They didn't make sitcoms like Frasier back then and they don't make them now. It really is a show that stands on its own, even though there are some episodes here and that you can point out and say, oh, maybe that didn't age very well. Overall, it still did a really great job of adding a new perspective to a beloved character and adding supporting characters that you didn't think you would love, but you ended up loving a lot. It really is a show that is still one of a kind. I'm really glad that I got to watch series in its entirety and share this discussion with you too. I really enjoyed watching it my first go around with it. Yeah, it's been awesome talking with you guys about it. And also, I feel like there's things too that like we didn't get a chance to necessarily touch on when maybe we should have, but there's a lot to this show. I mean, there's 11 seasons worth, so you're definitely getting a lot of content with this series. We covered a lot more than I expected, to be quite honest. And I'm really glad that uh, we covered what we were able to cover because it does feel like there was a lot of important stuff that I wanted to make sure that we talked about and we all did our jobs in in covering those things. Tyler, thanks so much for coming back. It's been so long. We shouldn't have to go this long again. (laughs) Right. Yeah, no, this is this is good. Be able to talk about it and also just catching up with you guys. This has been fun. So thank you for having me back on. The door is always open. All right. So listeners, stay tuned for final thoughts and mailbag. 
Welcome back. As we mentioned earlier, we were so happy to have Tyler back. It has been some time. This recording was long overdue and I'm glad we made it happen. We had to keep the recording under two hours because we were all pretty busy. Not much got cut out, actually. What you guys are hearing is pretty much all of it. We will definitely make sure we get Tyler back sooner rather than later because you just don't leave people on the shelf for that long. You know, you got to have them back more often because it gives so much to the show. So I think in the end of this discussion and we talked talked about this with other shows that had so many seasons. You can only cover so much. Some characters you're just going to miss. Like we almost entirely missed on Roz. We didn't really talk much about a lot of random supporting characters like Fraser's agent, BB, Gil, Bulldog. You know, we left a lot of those guys out. It just is what it is. doesn't mean that we regret anything. We still liked it, how it all turned out. But yeah, shows like this are tough to cover. We have two shows, episodes in a row. We cover long franchises. Mm -hmm. And I think we were blessed. We had a small cast. So I think I think that helped us in the long run because I think, I mean, I mean, we hit all the points. The thing about our show, which I love, is not necessarily we're covering a whole history of the show. We pretty much just a group of people who are really passionate about a show and just sharing our enthusiasm for it. And with Frasier and with Cheers, I feel like those two episodes coincide together because so much crossover that Tyler's great because the amount of like stuff he came prepared with is amazing. It's always fun to have Tyler on and hopefully through our sort of navigating of a long series like this it gets people interested again and be like hey let me go check this out. This is the last of episodes that we did this year featuring content that's from the 20th century. We did actually quite a few shows this season. I really liked how this year turned out because I did want to get into some of the older stuff. Not not too old but older stuff. Mm -hmm. And so yeah Frasier is the last one that falls in that category. So there were some episodes that we couldn't quite remember the titles of. And I was talking about the episode where Frazier picks up a prostitute by accident. And that episode was called Good Samaritan. That was season six, episode 11. We mentioned the parole hearing episode with Martin. Tyler got the title right. He said it was a day in May, but he got the season wrong. He said season seven. It was actually in season eight, episode 23. The fact he pulled a day in May was actually impressive because he said he vaguely remembering that episode. So it's like, damn, how'd you do that? So I talked about how I was waiting on the book called Cafe Nervosa. I did get my hands on it. It has a lot of cool recipes on it. I might make some of those recipes. There's a mixture of pastries and drinks and treats. It's a really cool book. I don't know how much longer I have it for, but Romeo, if I ever see you again... <laughs> <laughs> I might have I'm, you take I'm a look at I'm going to demand we, re we record our next thing in person <laughs> so I can have treats. Yeah, and I, we live near each other, so I will make this happen. I will knock on your door. I think that does it for the Fraser discussion, so we're going to go ahead and move on. If you ever have any questions or comments about the show, you can always reach us at bingeessentials at gmail.com. It's a great way to let us know what you think about what's going on, and we'll surely cover it on our next Final Thoughts episode. What would be a great help is if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, you can go on there and rate us five stars if you think we're worthy of five stars. It goes a long way to help with the algorithm and help more people find the show. And we would greatly appreciate it. Also drop a review too, if you have the time. That would be really greatly appreciated. If you ever want to find us on Facebook, you can do that. Just search for Binge Essentials. And you can also find us on Instagram at Binge Essentials. You can find me on Instagram at David Rocha Binge. You can find Romeo at rmora02. You can find me on Twitter for the time being at David Rocha 
Rocha Radio. And for the time being, you can find Romeo there as well at Mora one So time to tease next month's episode. Now it's December, so usually we try to do something that's Christmassy, but this year that was a little difficult for us. So we uh-huh. decided to take a different direction, although there is some Christmas episodes that are associated with the show, and that is The O.C. The O.C. known for Christmica, popularizing Christmica, and joining us to talk about The O.C. Coming back once again, it's Laura. We recorded this back in summertime, so it's actually kind of uh-huh. crazy to me to uh, have such a distant time period between when we recorded and when the episode is getting released, but this was something that we wanted to record for a long time, and honestly, we thought we were going to have to put this on the shelf for next year because it was so hard to find something Christmassy. Well, not that hard, but just like it was hard for me to Romeo to come to an understanding or like a, a decision on something. So we just ultimately decided, you know what? There's Christmica episodes and the OC. Let's just <laughs> release the OC right. in December. And RIP to Kevin Conroy. And if you haven't listened to that episode, go check that out too. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely check out Batman the Animated Series along with the rest of our catalog of episodes that have been released for 2022 as we look to put it to a close with the OC and in our final thoughts of that episode we will talk about what we have planned for 2023. We want to thank you guys so much for listening and staying with us all year. We will catch you guys next month.